1: Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. Bet sides, predict scores, track player props, even do props on politics. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. If the game already kicked off or tipped off, don't worry. They've got live in-game action, sweet action, on every Major event, even esports. No better time to join mybookie.ag than today. Go there, sign up, type in promo code ZABE, and get a 100% sign up bonus. It's easy, and you'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's mybookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. Today on the ZabeCast, NFL Week Ten. About the time you think you've got all the answers, the league changes the questions. My Redskins are a full two games in the clear in the NFC East. Can we handle it? The Packers dust the Dolphins as the NFC North gets crowded. We get all that plus Jimmy Butler and Philly, and Uncle Brent says sorry. Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Monday, November 12, 2018. Thank you for downloading. And top of the morning on a Monday morning to you? I know. You're like, you're late. Normally, I post the Monday ZabeCast at 4 a.m. after finishing it at like 1, 30, 2 a.m. Late on Sunday night, early on Sunday morning. But I tried something different today. I said... Because I was up late. I was up late grinding away for you guys. Reading as many recaps as I could. Watching as many highlights as I could. Writing as much down as I could. And it got very late. And I was like, "Uh, I am very tired right now. Do I want to sit and rush through a half-assed podcast? Or should I go ahead and uh, take a quick five and a half hour nap? I think it was five and a half hours and then wake up and then push this thing out the door, hopefully by 8 a.m. Well, I chose the latter. I don't know how this... I, I'm sure people are going to say, I don't like it. You're going to have to do something better on Sundays because guess what? I need my Zabecast fresh and early on Monday morning. Maybe some of you will say, no, actually, this is uh, this is better. If, if it's going to give you more time to absorb everything, then that's fine at 8 a.m. Either way... I appreciate the fact you're actually listening right now. So let's get to it, shall we? My Redskins are now 6-3. and three. Wow. Whew. Huh. I, I, I must say I am dizzy. Two games clear in the NFC East thanks to the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> rising up and beating the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night. Now, a thought on that right out of the gate. I went and watched the game at my buddy Cowboy Mike's house with his daughter and with his lovely girl, Janice. Cowboy fans all. And there I was as a redskin in the middle of Cowboy Nation at his house. Now, before I go any further, some of you would say, well, you have already committed a cardinal sin by doing that, that you are not supposed to be fraternizing with the hated enemy in the division. But hey, blood is thicker than water. Friendship is deeper than just NFL tribal loyalties. And of course I said, "Oh, I'll, I'll come over and watch the game with you guys. Why not? I'm quietly pulling for your Cowboys. That was a big win for us as Redskin fans last night. That was huge. We needed that win last night. It brought up the question, and it was asked by the lovely Sherry Burris, who is uh, the uh, sports anchor, uh, the sports director maybe even, at uh, Channel 4 here in Washington, D.C., WRC, the NBC affiliate, host of the show Redskins Showtime that I appear on, as she tweeted out the question, so Redskins fans, who are you rooting for tonight, Eagles or Cowboys? I responded back, in this situation there is no rooting quote-unquote, there is a, quote, gentle, or I don't know, I think I said there is a quiet preference, something to that nature, uh, or or we are, as Redskin fans in a game like this, we we quietly prefer, that's what it was, quietly prefer a specific outcome. And we got that outcome. So it brings up the question of etiquette, which is, as a Redskin fan, are you allowed to even pump your fist at, say, a Zeke Elliott hurdle of an Eagles defender in midfield? I did not pump my fist. I did say, whoa, look at that. I don't think it's cool to be actually rooting for either the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Giants in any situation in which a win by one of them would benefit your team. And I think that applies across the division with all the other fan bases. And I think it applies across any division in the NFL. You can never truly root for the other team. Like, yay. I didn't high-five Mike or Janice the entire night. I did not exhort any Cowboys to go or tackle him or catch that. I just observed the game and I was quietly quite happy that the Eagles lost. You tell me what the etiquette on this is, uh, because clearly this helped the Redskins big time. Six and three, two full games clear, and I would say the schedule is not so daunting down the stretch, but again, the Redskins were in a 6-3 game with Tampa as the fourth quarter opened. On the road. And that was after getting two missed field goals. Uh, Chandler Catanzaro, you are so fired today if you haven't been fired already. Two missed field goals and a ton of trips inside the red zone, inside Redskin territory that came up pretty much empty thanks to turnovers, boneheaded plays, and other stuff. 6 3 game, my Redskins were in in the fourth quarter. So I'm not getting cocky here, but the schedule is not bad down the stretch. We are now officially on division watch here in Washington because, you know, you start doing the math. Six and three. Can this team go four and three down the stretch? And the answer is, yeah, why not? That would be a a worse winning pace than they've established so far. That's ten wins. It's unlikely that anyone else gets to ten wins. Of course, I've been saying for a while now that this division is a, quote, Pillow fight to nine wins. We'll see if the pillow fight actually emerges if the Redskins uh, start losing here. And they could lose three in a row. That's the thing. As I look at the schedule, so they got Houston coming up this Sunday at home. Uh, Houston's off a bye, I believe. Did they play on Sunday, squinting, Thursday, scanning? No. They catch Houston at home. They could lose that game. Hello. Then they've got Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. In Dallas, on the road. That is going to be a hell of a hard game to win. And then they're at Philadelphia on Monday night, the following week. Those are the two hardest dates, perhaps, on the schedule, based on division rivalry, time of year they occur, and the fact that they're both on the road in primetime spots where teams do rise up and play harder and play better. I believe, at least. So you could lose three in a row, Bing Bing Bing, real quick, real easy. Just all it all it has to happen is one in a row, one in a row, three times in a row, and now you've lost three in a row. That would dump the Redskins at six and six, and if Philly just goes two and one in that span, and let's give Philadelphia looking at their next three, they let's give them the loss at New Orleans. Everyone assumes that's coming up uh, this this Sunday in the four twenty five hour, four twenty five window. They're at New Orleans. Give the, give the Eagles that loss, but then the Eagles have the Giants at home. Let's give them a win, and then they've got the Redskins on Sunday night, or Monday night, the following week. That's week 13. So there's your head-to-head. Eagles go 2-1. and one. That makes them 6-6. Six and six. Redskins lose to the Texans and then lose on both primetime games, Thanksgiving afternoon against the Cowboys, and then Monday night against the Eagles, 6-6. So six and six. We're all six. They're six and six. We're six and six, and now we got to fight. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. More on the skins game in just a second. The Packers beat the Dolphins thirty-one to twelve to improve to four, four and one. Aaron Jones was spectacular, fifteen for a buck forty-five, including a sixty-seven-yard burst. Two touchdowns and a 9.7 yards per carry average. Aaron Jones currently leading the NFL in yards per carry at a robust, ridiculous 6 yards per tote. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, maybe the Packers should run him more? ha <laughs> ha! Good idea, right? I believe Austin Eckler is number 2 in yards per carry. So... The fact that, you know, I think if you did run Aaron Jones more, his yards per carry would obviously go down because he's not as much of a heavy usage back as some of the guys in the league. But this guy, how can you not love Aaron Jones? The burst, the cut, the acceleration, the power after contact. I want more Aaron Jones, as I bet most Packer fans do. Also, Devontae Adams was great. Two touchdown catches in this game. For a Packer team that, like everyone this time of year, was trying to dance around and work around a number of very key injuries. The Dolphins were, of course, just terrible. They were terrible and they also lost a lot of guys. They came into the game with three offensive linemen out. And in the game, Miami lost Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, and Jakeem Grant to injuries. Welcome to the NFL where the injuries are relentless and they don't Give a shit about your season. Packers, by the way, lost Kentrell Bryce and Nick Perry during the game. Bottom line is Brock Osweiler is just not good. His throwing motion is awful. His decision-making is suspect. His accuracy is meh minus. Bottom line, he shouldn't be starting, but he has to because it's the NFL where quarterback quarterbacks get hurt and guys get pressed into duty. Aaron Rodgers got his QB rating with this performance on Sunday, finally up to 100.0 even. When somebody had met, when one of the pregame shows had mentioned Aaron Rodgers' uh, career historically low completion percentage this year, I said, "Wait, what?" Because they said it's about sixty percent, and I went and looked. And I was like, "Holy shit!" it really is with that you know it was like, i think it was 68% on sunday so with sunday's performance it dragged his completion percentage up to 61%. Now the real gaudy number and this is truly the measure of his greatness is that his touchdowns to INTs 17 to 1. But the Packers now 4-4 and 1 they've got Seattle on a short week plus travel at Seattle on Thursday. Bears are 6-3. and three. I still, sorry Bear fans, don't believe they're that good. Oh, that's my alarm going off. Well, this getting up early thing is its crazy. Who would ever want to do such a thing for a living to get up early and have to talk into a microphone? Can you imagine doing that for three hours a day starting at 6 a.m. every... Sa- oh, wait a minute. I did... I did do that for a long time. Okay, all the alarms are now off. Six o'clock alarm, six thirty alarm, and now that was the seven a.m. alarm. Where was I? Uh, NFC North. Sorry, Bear fans. I just still don't quite think you're that good. Although it's a hell of a nice season you're having right now. Six and three are the Bears. Minnesota's five three and one. Green Bay is four four and one. And you get the feeling the NFC North is coming down. To an Alcoa, and Alcoa presents fantastic finishes, <laughs> and that's going to be fun to watch. All right, so back to my Redskins real quick, just to mop up. Skins beat the Buccaneers sixteen to three in a game that was a lot closer than the final score would indicate. The statistical amazement of this game, and I guess I should get this out. I've got a number of stats here from week number ten in the NFL, but I'll gi- I'll give you this one right. Here is the stat of the day, because it's pretty amazing. Stat of the day. This was only the second game since the merger in which a team had run up over 480 yards of offense and scored less than a touchdown. Did you know that since that time, the average points per game, if you had 500 yards of offense... Was thirty-seven point three points per game. Behold, the stat of the day! Tampa, meanwhile, had three. That Sports Center had that uh, had that stat. Their research department. I, there was something like three hundred and some odd games in which a team had five hundred yards of offense, and it was great. At the end of this game. Tampa threw a meaningless screen pass down sixteen to three with about fifteen seconds to go, and they racked up like twenty-one yards to get just over five hundred yards. So it's a it's a good clean number that makes the game look even more ridiculous from their standpoint. But yeah, they they, they had done the numbers on this that of the three hundred and some odd games since the merger in which a team had rolled up five hundred yards of offense, the average points. Scored by that team was like 37.3. Tampa yesterday, one field goal. (laughs) That is pretty awesome. Awesome. (laughs) And it brings up the question of, well, how much do you credit the Redskins' defense? And how much do you say, well, that was a fluke and you're lucky that happened because when is that ever going to happen again? Maybe once in, in 50 years. Hard to say. All the plays the Redskins made to help short-circuit Tampa drives, were good-to-great football plays. I mean, Josh Norman made an A-plus interception of a slightly errant, slightly risky throw that I'm sure Fitzpatrick wants back. Actually, let me amend that. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't give a shit about any interceptions at this point in his career. All he cares about is the, uh, the luxuriousness of his beard and whether or not he's starting next week which be interesting to see if he does or not. This Dirk Cutter coach team is flat terrible, though. <laughs> These guys do a lot of things poorly. Poorly to lose games. So, yeah, the, the first pick at the goal line, Josh Norman made a phenomenal play. I mean, a double-plus play to pick the ball off and to run it out to the 30. Threat neutralized. Later in the game when the Buccaneers were trying to come back and score. Ryan Anderson made a great play, hustling from behind, after pursuing, you know, he he made such a play, he he was rushing the passer, didn't get to Fitzpatrick, looped back, and ran behind Jack Quiz Rogers, quizzy, and, boom, punched the ball out from behind, in a play in which, if he didn't get the ball out, he was going to make the tackle. Very good uh, double play fundamental play in which he was both going to punch and wrap up. Ball goes into the end zone. Redskins recover. And then Ryan Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick decides uh, late in the game. He's like, I'm just going to try to throw it somewhere and then get sacked and fumbles. The Buccaneers had four turnovers in the game and that now makes them minus 15 on the season. To quote Dean Wormer from Animal House, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Minus 15, dead last in turnovers. And I'm not sure if I call it turnover margin. It's not a ratio. People have said to math nerds have gotten on me about this. Don't say turnover ratio. They are minus 15 in turnovers this year. That's dead last. And the Redskins, with their plus four day, are now plus 11 on the season and if that's not number one after this week's games are counted and I didn't the the one list that I saw they had not counted in everyone's turnover margin for this week by the way there are so many places to find stats on the internet for the NFL it's both wonderful and annoying because they're all displayed differently they're all categorized differently and Sometimes you're like, why can't I find this one simple number? I was looking last night for quite a while for just turnovers. Just plus and minus. I oh, should have Googled it. Here, it's right here. Probably send me a link. So that's, that's the NFL for you right there. You're not going to be good if you're minus 15. And if you're plus 11 or plus 8 or plus 5, Anything plus more than four or five at this point in the season, you're probably going to have a winning record. To which people will say, yeah, duh. That's why the Redskins upgraded by getting Alex Smith. Alex Smith may only have 10 touchdowns, one of the fewest touchdown totals of any starter in the league right now, but he only has three interceptions. And I guess there's an argument to be made there. I guess there is. But the Redskins at plus eleven, you think to yourself, man, they are they're kind of getting lucky, but what do I care? They're six and three for the first time since two thousand eight. I will take it. By the way, in two thousand eight when they were six and three last, they started six and two under Jim Zorn. That was the hip hip hooray. Zorny, horny for zorny, stay medium. Hey, this guy might actually pretty be pretty good. That year the Redskins were Doing the following. A, running the shit out of the ball. And B, not committing any turnovers. They did not finish the season uh, by winning. They did not finish the season by going to the playoffs. Let me just put that out there. Spoiler alert. And they also, so when they went 6-3 and three in 2008, they went 6-3 and three backing up because they had started 6-2 and two and then began the slide. Of course, there was a lot of internal division on that team. Clinton Portis was severely at odds with Zorn and had no use for him whatsoever. And a bunch of other things were in play. Anyway, Tampa was in the Redskins' territory five times in the first half, came away with three points. Alex Smith, 187 yards, but made the play of the game when it mattered the most. 6-3 game, about a minute into the fourth quarter. Third down and goal. Redskins at the five, Tampa decides to only rush four, a decision that Chris Spielman, who said something very stupid in the game, game, but I'll give him credit for this point he made. He said, I would blitz Alex Smith. I would make him make a quick decision and make the throw because that's just not who he is. Instead, they only rush four. Alex Smith waits in the pocket. He steps up, sees that being bottled off, Uses his athletic ability to back up, moves to his left, gets his eye eye line on the right level, starts scanning, 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 sees Josh Doxson open in the back of the end zone and whistles. A great pass in there that Josh Doxson thankfully did not drop, although it was kind of close. A plus baller play just when the Redskins needed it the most. Touchdown to go up by ten thirteen to three very next possession buccaneers pressing first pass by fitzpatrick picked off by greg stroman our 7th round pick and they get a field goal from that and they make the final margin 16 to 3 baller play by alex smith and 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 i'm i'm happy for him no matter how much you i might kill alex smith or anyone else might kill alex smith he made the play of the game and josh doxson as well quietly quietly starting to contribute and contribute a little bit more every week. Just like Anderson with the with the punch out of the fumble. This is something that people will now get on my case a little bit and other people's cases. See, I told you guys. These guys are going to come around. You were calling these guys busts. You were ripping on – I love that. You were ripping on Josh Doxson and Ryan Anderson. And nothing could be further from the truth. I never once said anything bad about them personally. I just said it's looking like Doxson, a number one pick and Anderson a number two pick are, are dry holes. It looks like those are bust draft picks. Not bums themselves, just it looks like those picks are not working out. But they are starting to provide some dividends, which is great to see. Skin's O-line was great considering all the injuries. It was Ty Nsecky at left tackle, Jonathan Cooper, the new guy at left guard, Chase Rouye in the middle, Tony Bergstrom pressed into duty at the right guard, and Morgan Moses on one leg basically, hobbling around at right right tackle. They allowed the the offensive line kept Alex Smith upright for the most part all game. He only had three sacks. And the Redskins racked up 116 yards in rushing. Peterson sixty eight, Capri Bibbs twenty eight. It's pretty good, man, for guys that had just, you know, they bring in three guys during the week, and I don't know. I'll have to look at the snap counts. I don't know how much uh, Bowanko and Howard played. But Cooper played the whole game, played well, got a couple of holding penalties, but not bad for a guy off his couch. And if you look at the Redskins from a positive side, if you if you want to have really rose-colored glasses, you say to yourself, they're 6-3. The schedule is not insane, even though this is a huge three-week stretch right now, as I just chronicled. Uh, They do have Jacksonville on the road and Tennessee on the road. And with Tennessee playing as well as they did yesterday to beat New England, that game is now looking harder. I kind of like the fact Philadelphia is the final game of the season because if Philadelphia keeps losing here, it's possible they will be punched out by the time the Redskins catch them in Week 17. Just saying. They might be actually out of it by that time. So even though the schedule is it's tough for the next three for sure, it's not terrible down the stretch, the thing I like, if you want to be positive about the Redskins, is there's a lot of headroom left for the offense to get better. Another game without Thompson and Crowder, and maybe they will never come back together this year because of injuries, but let's assume at some point they do. If Alex Smith just clicks... His performance up one or two, click, click, and you get Thompson and Crowder back. This offense has a lot more headroom to improve on, which could be good. That said, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's only nine games, six and three. I will take it, though. Hail to the Redskins. Now for other stuff around week number 10 in the NFL. The Bears beat the Lions 34 to 22 as Matt Patricia's Detroit team is slouching towards 3 and 6 now. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Not towards 3 and 6, they have slouched to 3 and 6 at this point. The Bears improved to 6 and 3. Mitch Trubisky 23 of 30, 355 yards, three touchdown passes. And this all despite the fact that kicker Cody Parkey for the Bears hit not one not two, not three, but four uprights in the game. That has to be an NFL record. Somebody researched that, although uh, I would say it's not really probably kept in any record books still, though. Uh, four uprights in a single game. Doink! 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 <laughs> the Bears improved to 6-3, and three, and Khalil Mack came back in this game, and uh, the Bears are looking sort of legit. And boy, oh boy, we are a long way from Matt Patricia yelling at reporters saying, sit up in the press room. The Saints just destroy the Bengals 51-14. to I know, I know, I said I love the Bengals in this spot. Without A.J. Green, the Bengals were just lost and hopeless. And when you look at the Bengals, you go, well, they've still got a winning record. They're 5-4. and four. I think there's a lot of people saying, you know, Marvin Lewis has got to go. The Saints just look like a juggernaut, and uh, here we go. 8-1 and one, New Orleans, and they catch the Eagles this coming Sunday. The Browns beat the Falcons 28-16. to Another one of these, wait, what? I thought they weren't very good. I thought the Falcons had finally figured things out. Matt Ryan in Atlanta just did not look good at all. And, and the Browns and Baker Mayfield, he said, I woke up feeling dangerous. Funny what getting rid of uh Todd Haley does offensively. The Browns looked as good as they have all year. On offense it doesn't hurt that Nick Chubb went for 176 yards including a team record 92-yard touchdown run from scrimmage. That was electrifying, as they say. Julio Jones did have another touchdown for Atlanta. That's two 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 in a row. 2 weeks in a row he's had a touchdown. In the losing effort, Atlanta slumps to four and five, and it's almost too late for them to get it together and do anything. The Browns are now three, six, and one. The Titans punked the Patriots 34 to 10. This game had a lot going in it, including the fact that Tom Brady was held to basically 50% passing, 21 of 41. For 254 yards and no touchdowns, he had nowhere to throw, and he was under siege all game long. Marcus Mariota, meanwhile, I say that because that's what the commissioner called him on draft day, Marcus Mariota looked fantastic. I mean, he has really come on strong, and it's hard not to like the guy. He began the season a little bit shaky, had the elbow injury in which he couldn't grip the football very well, seems to be getting stronger. And better every week. Corey Davis, the former first-round pick, had a huge game. Seven catches for a buck twenty-five and a touchdown. And I got to say, I love the Titans' new deep navy blue color for their helmets. I love it. I love it. It's the best blue ever. I'm a fan of blue in general. Although certain teams, like the Giants and Cowboys, I hate them. But in general, I like it. Blue is a sports color. That color is gorgeous. Not so sure about the uniform numbers that the Titans now have, but look, don't look now. Titans have improved to five and four. They might be pretty good. The Patriots fall to seven and three. Luckily for New England, look at the division. Even though the, the Bills won yesterday and, and beat the Jets, the, the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins are so sad collectively. It's, well, it doesn't. Doesn't even merit talking any further about it. Oh, there was also a fake play in this game, a, a throwback play to Marcus Mariota that the Titans completed, and they did it shortly after the Patriots tried a throwback play to Tom Brady. And Mike Vrabel, the former Patriot who played for Belichick, was asked, why did you do that? He said, I wanted to see if ours looked any better than theirs. <laughs> and it did, actually. Oh, and give Bill Belichick credit. He gave a actually, genuinely... Nice hug, handshake to his former linebacker after the game. Didn't Mike Vrabel just play in the NFL like five seconds ago, and now he is a head coach? Funny how that works. The Colts beat the Jaguars 29-26. to 26. Your headline from this game is that Andrew Luck, for the fourth consecutive game, has not been sacked. Jaguars did try to come back and pull this one out they fall to 3 and 6. I think the Jaguar story was a nice one year story. Uh as Blake Bortles did have 320 yards and two touchdowns but in a losing effort Colts improve to 4 and 5 and uh, are still sort of in the mix in the AFC South. The Chiefs beat the Cardinals just not by enough points for some of us. 26 to 14, your final number. That's a 12-point win. Not enough to cover the largest spread of the year. 16.5. Chiefs improved to 9-1 and as they're headed towards this epic showdown against the Rams. It's Monday night. Chiefs and Rams, Mexico City at altitude. It's going to be an insanely anticipated game. Possible Super Bowl preview. But the Chiefs improved to 9-1 and as, once again, Tyreek Hill was unguardable. The Cheetah. Seven catches, a buck seventeen, two two touchdowns in this game. Patrick Mahomes, two more touchdown passes. He was 21 of 28 for 249 yards. If there was going to be a market correction on Patrick Mahomes, it hasn't happened yet. I think you're foolish to even wait for it to happen. The kid is the real deal. Cardinals fall to 2-7. and seven. The Jets remain the NFL's most reliable disaster year after year after year. And this game <laughs> this game was the dumpster fire game of the week because Matt Barkley pressed into service after just being picked up by the Bills, what, two weeks ago, started opposite of Josh McCown for the Jets. And even though he wasn't great, 15 to 25 for 232 yards and two touchdowns, he was still better than the Jets and McCown. The Bills run away with it forty-one to ten, as LaShawn McCoy had 113 yards and two touchdowns. Jet fans are going to absolutely tear this team limb from limb. And you know what? The Todd Bowles era has got to end. Nice guy, amazing stoic on the sidelines. His face is just its the best poker face in the league. He sits there placidly as disaster after disaster unfolds yet he's just not getting it done with the Jets. Of course, nobody is. The Jets, like the Browns, remain the farthest planets from the NFL sun, where the least amount of detectable life lives. Now, the Browns are starting to make some moves in the right direction, at least. The Jets, meanwhile, no, no. No, they are they are way out there in the NFL solar system. The Raiders got beat by the Chargers. Thank God for that. Because it was my lock of the week. Chargers win 20-6. to A game they almost did not cover, but otherwise had well in hand pretty much the entire afternoon. Melvin Gordon, another spectacular day. Uh, spectacular, another great game. Had a big run for a touchdown. 18 carries for 93 yards. He also had five catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. As the Raiders fall to 1-8 and eight and only score... Two field goals in this game at home. Chargers are a legit 7-2. and two, And I'm not going to be one of the guys that say, you know, everyone's overlooking the Chargers. I hate that guy. Nobody's overlooking the Chargers. Everyone knows about how good the Chargers are. And unlike Chargers' years of past, of your, uh, they have not thrown away the first part of their season yet. So they come into the back half here with a really good record and a chance to, to do some damage and make some noise. Rams beat the Seahawks 36-31, to a game that wasn't quite that close, although Seattle was giving them fits. Seattle did claw their way back in for a backdoor cover in this game. I think the spread was 9. Most of the public was on the Seahawks to cover, and they did. Rams, though, improved to 9-1. and one. Typical fantasy stat-stuffing day for all the name guys for L.A., Jared Goff, 318 yards, two touchdowns. Todd Gurley, 120 yards and a touchdown. Todd, 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 Todd. Brandon Cooks, 10 catches for 100 yards uh, as the Rams move to 9-1 and one as they get ready to take on the Chiefs in Mexico at altitude on Monday night. Seahawks fall to 4-5. and five. I would say their wild card prospects are not very good, but this has been a friskier Seahawks team than I think many people had anticipated. And then the Sunday nighter that I alluded to earlier, the Cowboys beat the Eagles 27-20 to as Carson Wentz had 360 yards passing, but it was not enough, including two touchdowns. Zeke Elliott, big game, 19 carries, a buck 51, a touchdown, and a hurdle. And the Cowboys actually closed this game out. I couldn't believe the stat I saw that the Cowboys were 34-0 since 2014 when leading by seven or more. In the fourth quarter, 34 and 0 since 2014. Well, they're now 35 and 0 by closing this game out. So both the Cowboys are four and five, and the Eagles are four and five. That's two games in arrears. The Redskins at six and three. I've said for a while now it's a pillow fight to nine in this division. It might be a three-way pillow fight to nine unless my Redskins say, "Well, forget the pillow fight. We're going to load our pillow full of doorknobs." or nickels, or rocks, and then we'll see how you feel. It's theirs to lose, even though there's a lot of football left. And then the Monday night game, we all are looking forward to it. It's the Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. I suppose I am obligated to make a prediction on this. My lock did come home, by the way. That's all that matters. The rest of my picks sucked. Terrible. Terrible. But the lock is the only one you should play. The lock improves to 8-2 and two on the year as I took the Chargers, minus the even 10 points as the line had sort of gone up since Friday. So, if you want me to pick uh, this game tonight, I mean, I don't think you care, really. It's like, why would, you, why would you like my picks for tonight? Or why would you like my pick for tonight when I was so bad otherwise? San Francisco is minus 3.5. Yes, I'm taking the... No, I'm taking the Giants. Giants plus three and a half. Eli Manning has been put on notice: win this game or else. Or the third face. Or or else what? Uh just win it, please. Giants Niners. Will I watch it? Yes, I will watch bad football because it's already week number ten. It's about week ten's about to end. This season is slipping through our fingers. This is football season. Don't be that guy who gets to week ten and says. Yeah, I'm going to go to a movie on Monday night. I don't want to watch this stupid Giants-Niners game. No, no. Watch them all. Because we'll be dying for football in the matter of a month and a half. Once the playoffs begin and we've got nothing but playoffs and then we've got no football for the longest of time. I'll take the Giants against all better judgment plus the three and a half. Football season is here and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. Bet sides, predict scores, track player props, even do props on politics. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. If the game already kicked off or tipped off, don't worry. They've got live in-game action, sweet action, on every major event, even eSports. No better time to join MyBookie.ag than today. Go there, sign up. Type in promo code ZABE and get a 100% sign-up bonus. It's easy, and you'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's mybookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. All right, couple other things for today, and then we'll call it a wrap and then pick it up tomorrow as the sports world will no doubt present us with a bunch of other things to yammer on about. Josh Norman for my Redskins. Pretty much grabbed an electrified wire when it comes to fan-player relations. He essentially called out the Redskins' home fans as not being quote-unquote real. This is not going to break well for Josh as this Sports Talk Monday dawns and throughout the week. Here's the quote. Because there is a a pretty good vocal contingent of Redskins fans in Tampa. Our fans do travel pretty well. We're not Steeler Nation. We're not Packer Nation. We're not like Cowboy fans. But our fans travel pretty well. Of course, a lot of teams' fans travel pretty well. There's a lot of NFL tourism that goes on where you go, well, this would be a fun place to be. I mean, it's a you know, time of year where it's getting cold up here in D.C. Let's go down to Tampa where it's nice and warm, play some golf, hang out. Here's what Norman said. I feel like we play better on the road. I'm not going to lie. Gosh, man, it seems like our true fans, our true fans, they're really with us on the road, and we feed off of that. When we go into the homestands, it seems like an open bubble or something, like the other team's turf or something. You hear more of them than you do us. Then if something bad happens, they sulk. Oh, Oh, that is rich. You, Josh Norman, accusing us of sulking? Don't go there, as Juicy Iverson would say. Don't go there with me about the sulking, okay? Get
0: out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's, that's here. Where you get that from? That's Cause somebody told it to not you. Did Tawana tell you that? Yeah. Did Don't see? ask me
1: nothing. Did Tawana tell you Where that? Where's that button? By... Every relationship no. has. I love myself, and I. Nah, it's, I can't find it. It's somewhere deep in there. Don't go there. Come on, Josh. They sit back in their seat and they boo. I don't know. It started to be this year that we started to see that. It's kind of crazy because the first couple of years I've been here, you would see sellouts and all happy and excited and all for the Redskins. But now you go around the NFC, the whole NFC East teams, the Phillies, the Giants, even Dallas, they sold out. People in the seats, they're cheering for their team regardless of good, bad, or indifferent. They're still showing up each and every week going hard. Even the Giants when they were 1-6, and hell, they had a sellout crowd. They were all in there and packed in still. We come back to our home and guys, they just don't really care. They just boo everything. They're not really behind us. We don't really feel that. I'm tired of it. I really am. We can play all our games on the road if you ask me. Josh. What are you doing? Come with me, Josh, and let me try to help you explain and understand. You will never understand as a fan. This is where I'm going to turn the tables just a bit on Josh Norman as an athlete. We get accused, fans, broadcasters, media members, of not understanding what it's like to be an athlete. And that is true. We really do not understand, we don't understand what it takes to play in the NFL. Yet we opine upon and we pontificate upon and we run our mouths all the time about players in the NFL. And oftentimes athletes will say, you have no idea. This is a case where I'm going to turn it around on Josh and say, Josh, you have no fucking idea. You have never sat in two and a half hours of traffic getting into the parking lot at Ralph John's. To go to a game. You have not been served ice cold French fries at twelve dollars a tub. You have not endured the humiliations of years and years of inept Redskins football. You've been here for a hot minute in the grand scheme of things. You have no idea how beaten down the fan base is here. Yeah, you're you're having a nice season. You're six and three. How was last year? How was your year last year, by the way? If I recall, you didn't have any interceptions. Just saying. How much money did you make last year doing this? Ooh, you did, huh? That's a lot of money. Because here's the thing, Josh. Everyone else that comes to the games, they have to pay money. This is a net negative to their uh, family's financial spreadsheets. And yet... They still come. And if you want to bitch about, well, you know, we hear the other fans in the stands, that's not, there's nothing we can do about that as Redskin fans. The apathy has drained the stadium and has allowed for easy pluckings of other teams' fans to come on in and to cheer loudly. Oh, I know, it is startling, it is discouraging, it's a little bit heartbreaking. For even teams like Atlanta, Atlanta sounded loud. I'm like, where are all these Atlanta fans coming from? But this is not a measure of quote-unquote true fandom. And just because there's a a certain small and vocal crowd that travels with you, and they travel with you on the road in a win. Like, were you saying this after you got blitzed in New Orleans? No. Because you didn't win. And you didn't play well. And I can assure you, nobody heard any damn Redskin fans in New Orleans. There was not much to cheer for. So, don't do this, Josh. Don't take – well, it's too late now because you already did it. Here was a nice moment. The defense rose up in and, and, and opportune fashion, had somehow taken a 500-yard steamroller of a day and and melted it down to three points, almost like using a shrink ray on the point scoring of a 500-yard day. This was, Josh, a great win. Capital G for the Washington Redskins. And now you've said this. And now you've thrown this turd in the punch bowl to try to assess who are the true fans and who are the fake fans and why the home crowd is not more vocal. You are not going to berate people into going to that stadium and rooting louder for you. You won't do it. You can't. Because you've never been there. You didn't sit and watch Swinging Gate. You didn't sit and watch fat fuck Albert Hainsworth lay on the ground for 10 seconds. You weren't here for any of that. Yet we were. Because this endures for us. This is what we do for enjoyment and diversion from the rest of our life. So don't start true fanning, not true fanning. I want more guys in the seats cheering loudly. All you can handle is winning. If you handle winning the place will eventually start to fill up again to a certain degree. But it's never going to be like it once was. And by once was, I don't mean two years ago when you first came here or three years ago. The years fly by. I'm talking what it really was once upon a time. The stadium is a disfigured, disgusting mess that nobody likes. That they cannot sell out if they coated the tickets in gold. They can't give away enough tickets. So... That's never going to come back. All you can do is keep winning. And when there is a big win like this, for God's sakes, don't don't open these lines of inquiry. Don't throw this turd in the punch bowl. It just, it's not helpful. Okay, end of sermon on that. What else do I have to finish here? The Mr. X picks. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, Mr. X admitted on Friday in the Friday's Abe cast, he said this is the weakest week of opinions he's had all year in the NFL, but his three so-called best bets went 0 4 3 However, he did warn you. He said, I don't have a good feeling about this week. Now, Mr. X is mortal. He bleeds, I know. But he did give you the vaunted rover and over pick, and that did come home. This is the Rutgers-Michigan pick, and let me try to explain it. On Friday's Football Five Ways Premium Savecast, he explained whenever a a game like Michigan-Rutgers gets to the point where the point spread is approaching the total, and I believe the point spread in that game, he said the point spread opened at 38.5, Michigan minus 38.5, and the total opened at 47.5. I never thought about this before, and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, look at that—the the the dog and the over, or the rover and over, as I have dubbed it, or the dog and heat alternate nickname. What Mister X says you should do is that if you think the team that is the huge underdog, you take the difference between the the total, in this case forty-seven and a half, to either thirty-eight and a half or thirty-seven and a half. You subtract the point spread for the difference so that's roughly 10 points if you think the underdog can at least score uh half of that you divide by 2 don't ask me why it's math it's beyond my understanding if you believe that the underdog can score at least 5 points you're guaranteed to go at least 1 and 1 if not 2 and 0 oh. okay i'm in what do i got to do here well, to take it further, some people misunderstood and thought that you should parlay the two picks, taking both Rutgers plus the 38-and-a-half and to take the over of 47-and-a-half. By the way, final score, Michigan 42, Rutgers 7. Total is 49, over, winner, not by much, but a winner, and the spread 35, winner. You win them both. Mr. X says, historically speaking... If you get a, a point spread and a total that are approaching each other within like ten points, and if you think that the dog can at least score something, you take both teams, and here's what you do, he says. You bet twenty times your normal amount or what you're comfortable with, so that <clears throat> excuse me. So that you're essentially turning the rover and over into a twenty to one proposition. And his way of thinking is because the rover and over rarely goes zero two. Worst case is that you you know you win both you win one bet you lose the other. So let's say using uh, you know a number of uh, well what would the number be that you would use? Let's say you're you're, you're betting a hundred dollars on both when you're normally just betting five dollars a game. So there's your twenty x factor. So, in essence, if you lose, if you go one and one, you lose 10 bucks because you won 100, you lost 100, you lose the $10 on the VIG. But if you win, if you win, now you win $200. So the downside is to lose 10, the upside is to win 200. That is essentially a 20 to one play in the over and the rover. Does that make sense? Did I explain it well enough? Anyway, it hit. <laughs> it hit, but some people said they didn't quite get the prices at they needed to get them, to get the over and the rover. I don't know if it's going to happen again this year, but at least it hit. Otherwise, Mr. X was 0-3 and, and he sucked. My picks were terrible. I don't even know what the numbers are, but I know this. My lock hit, and that is all that matters. Speaking of a lot of money, Jimmy Butler has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, this is both depressing from a Wizards fan standpoint, although the Wizards do enough to depress you on their own. They lost Friday in Orlando. Terrible loss. They did bounce back by beating Miami. But it's pretty clear now that the Sixers, who have improved with this trade from like 30-1 to to win the NBA title to 12-1, to you've got the Sixers, you've got the Celtics, you've got the Bucs in the East that are all... Demonstrably, oh, did I mention the Raptors? That's four teams right there that are really, really good, dynamic, interesting teams, some of whom are loaded, all of which have a true superstar. What do the Wizards have? Jack shit. Season's over for the Wizards after this trade. I mean, they'll be in the playoffs, and they will uh, provide uh, the requisite opponent for a best-of-seven series come springtime. I think they'll be in the playoffs. Maybe not. Other than that, this team's going nowhere. But are the Sixers really going to be that good with Jimmy Butler? Count me in the camp that is just not moved by Jimmy Butler. I don't think Jimmy Butler is one of the guys that matters in the NBA. Is he good? Yes. But his numbers look almost exactly like Bradley Beal, and nobody is talking about Bradley Beal like they talk about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler engineered his way out of Minnesota. I thought it was despicable the way he did it. I thought the league... I think the league has a problem with it on its hands with guys just basically saying I'm not going to play anymore, and then forcing the the hand of the teams that own them. Now maybe the, you know the Timberwolves getting back Robert Covington and Dario Saric, plus Jared Bayless, who could be waived, and a 2022 second rounder. Maybe that's good enough compensation. I don't know. I do know this: that Jimmy Butler is now poised because his full bird rights and the Supermax is available, he could sign an extension, Jimmy Butler, in Philadelphia this coming summer, for upwards of five years for $190 million. Good God! I am praying the Sixers pull the trigger on that. And most analysts are saying they didn't trade for Jimmy Butler as a rental, that they will keep him. But they want to see first. They don't they don't have to make a decision till summer. In fact, Jimmy Butler will not want to make a decision till then because he'll make a ton more money if he waits 6 months until the summer. 6 months, whatever it is. Please Philadelphia sign this guy to that big of a contract. And it looks like Carmelo Anthony is probably going to be waived by the Houston Rockets even though there's conflicting reports. Their GM Daryl Morey has shot them down. He's denied it, but pretty much every player on the Rockets thinks, "Yeah, he's a he's as good as gone." Carmelo Anthony is bad. He has been bad for a number of seasons. But the NBA nerderati want to say, "Well, maybe they can get a little bit out of him. Maybe if they just use him for scoring. Maybe if this he's bad, he's death. He is death. Not only defensively, he is death." To how the game has evolved at this point of pace and space, 3 and D, Carmelo Anthony is an absolute piece of luggage. And if the wake-up call wasn't the Rockets scoring 80 points, 80 for the Houston Rockets, uh, with Carmelo's plus-minus being, I don't know, minus a trillion, if that wasn't the wake-up call for them, nothing will be. College football, not a damn thing happened of note on Saturday, at least in terms of shaping the race. Bama shutout, Mississippi State, that's back-to-back shutouts for them against supposedly powerful, ranked SEC opponents. They're an absolute machine. Clemson handled Boston College. It was an ugly game, 27-7, your final, as the uh, Boston College lost their quarterback, Anthony Brown, on the first series. That sort of, yeah, he yeah, sort of took any chance they could to win away. Uh, the yardage total in this game was 424-113 to 113 in favor of Clemson. Clemson now is an easy road to finish. They've got 7-3 Duke at home. That game might be a little bit of a game. South Carolina rivalry game, I guess you got to always say you never know, but South Carolina's not very good. They're 5-4. And, and then Clemson gets whoever gets fed to them in the ACC title game. The road is basically clear for Clemson. Notre Dame beat Florida State 42-13. Brandon Wimbush, backup quarterback, three touchdowns, no problem. Notre Dame still has a dicey road game to end the year against SC. Uh, they'll be highly motivated in that one. I still think they win it. Notre Dame should be undefeated. If they are, I'm going to guarantee that they're in the playoff. Michigan, as mentioned, beat Rutgers 42-7. to Otherwise, there really was nothing of note. No big upsets. The teams that needed to win did win, and so we kind of reset. This coming weekend, we've got the SEC bye weekend league-wide as they rest up for their rivalry games. So this is going to be another college football weekend in which there's not a lot of blockbuster games. Going on. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the industry leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. Bet sides, predict scores, track player props, even do props on politics. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign up bonus. If the game already kicked off or tipped off, don't worry. They've got live in-game action, sweet action, on every major event, even eSports. No better time to join MyBookie.ag than today. Go there, sign up, type in promo code ZABE, and get a 100% sign-up bonus. It's easy, and you'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary, terms and conditions apply, void where prohibited. And finally, well, not quite finally, yes, and finally, Let's wrap it up. (laughs) Wrap it up already, will you? No, you wrap it up. Brent Musburger has apologized. This has left me truly heartbroken because I thought Brent was at the stage in life where he didn't have to apologize for anything. I thought Brent was at the stage where he understood about how this works nowadays with political correctness. Uh, That apologizing does nothing. It gives you no actual lenience with those who would tut-tut you. This experience he should have learned from the Catherine Webb affair, apparently he has not. As you might know, last week, Brent Musburger, voice of the Raiders, radio voice of the Raiders, sent out a tweet in which he mocked Elizabeth Warren's claim of Native American heritage by posting a picture of a Trump campaign rally in Montana that had several genuine Native Americans wearing full headdresses in the background. He said some of Elizabeth Warren's supporters showing up at a Trump rally. The tweet drew backlash, writes Jason Owens on Yahoo Sports. Well, of course tweets draw backlash. They always. You can tweet something like, I like ice cream and puppies. What? How dare you? You don't like kittens and and, and cookies? What's wrong with you? The tweet drew backlash and prompted Musburger to address it during Sunday's broadcast of the Raider game between them and the Chargers. He apologized, quote, if you were offended, writes the story on Yahoo Sports, and claimed, quote, I was just having fun. Boo. Brent. Damn it. You own v You're almost 80 years old. Just go with it. You know who else is mocking Elizabeth Warren's Native American heritage? Actual Native Americans. But it's political, and the NFL probably got to Brent because he is an NFL employee of sorts and that he is a play-by-play guy for the Raiders and said, no, we don't need this. We don't want this. Of course, the story on Yahoo Sports has this line at the end. Musburger's half-hearted apology Sunday seems the type to fly under Donald Trump's radar. Half-hearted apology. Isn't that great? So you apologize, but it's still not good enough. That's how it works. Just never apologize. It's not worth it. All right, that'll do it for me today. Sorry it was late. Don't know if this is going to work or not on Mondays. I already hear the faint booing in the background. It was late. You didn't sound any more awake than you would have at 2 a.m. Just go back to the way it was. Okay. I'll take those uh, criticisms to heart, and we'll... We'll figure out a better way going forward. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like, and all that other stuff. Email me with topics and feedback at zabe at yahoo.com. Now, go get those Christmas lights out down from your attic because Thanksgiving is a week and a half away, and we will see you next time.